Hello and welcome to the very first official episode of Book of Leaves. My name is Cara and I am your host. Thanks a million for joining in on the very first episode of Book of Leaves. I think it's only fitting that the very first Book of Leaves podcast happens on Earth Day, which kind of happened accidentally because I was almost ready to launch last week and then I said, no, I'll wait till Monday. And then I realized Monday is Earth Day. So it's meant to be, I think. Check out their website. I think they've got local events and campaigns that you can get involved in on that I think it's earthday.org I believe and their theme this year is protect the species I was reading up so they're basically encouraging people and governments to get involved to protect more local and native species and of course their worldwide species as well that are going extinct or severely endangered because of human impact of course so it's a an important day every day should be earth day really but have a look if that's something that you want to check out and today maybe as it's earth day we can all try live a little bit more earth friendly buy less things buy no plastic turn off and unplug electric things at home when you're not using them switch the lights off, use less water. But I think, you know, it's good to have a day that we focus on that, but we should try to do that every day. Yeah, but of course, what would you be at home with the electricity on for anyway? Because today it is gorgeous. This weekend, this Easter weekend has been so nice weather-wise. And as it's April coming into summer, I kind of feel less bad about it being a nice weather because it was really nice in February for a little while and everyone felt really guilty because it's not supposed to be this warm but in April I think it's kind of okay now obviously that doesn't mean the whole planet is oh sure look the weather's fine now so no need to panic no definitely not but it's just nice to get out there get some vitamin d and enjoy the sunshine now obviously lather up on your factor 50 lads irish skin i'm a ginger so i have to reapply it about every 30 seconds bit of an exaggeration but not too much it's more like two minutes but anyway get out there and enjoy the sun while it's here and as well i i'm trying to find a sun cream that you can wear and go swimming in and if it when it washes off you into the sea, it doesn't damage the sea life. I know, for example, off the coast of Australia, around their coral reefs, the amount of people that go swimming covered in sun cream, all of that sun cream that all of these people have wearing are wearing has been washing off into the sea and it's been damaging the what the wildlife there and that's not cool so I know Australia is like campaigning people to wear eco-friendly sun cream so if anyone knows of a brand or company with some kind of sun cream like that in Ireland they could get here even though we don't have coral reefs it would be nice not to be bringing chemicals into the sea with us when we're going for a swim or into the canals or lakes or wherever people are probably going to be swimming this weekend because there's life everywhere and you never know what it could be doing so if anyone knows of a sun cream like that do let us know 
and I'll reshare it or I'll repost it. And yes, of course, we have, since I've started recording this podcast and various episodes of various people, Extinction Rebellion has happened. It was great to see so many people out protesting last week with Extinction Rebellion. They closed off O'Connell Bridge for a couple of hours and there was a nice crowd there and it was a good buzz. Everyone was having a good time. There was music and there was dancing, but there was also an underlying tone of, yeah, we're going to entertain ourselves while we're here, but our message is still important. So they're trying to get the government to adhere to the Climate Assembly's demands for climate change and the Climate Assembly's, the Citizens' Assembly's, more like, demands for climate change and they want the government to change system change as opposed to individual people just making small changes because in a bigger scale we really do need fast action and bigger action and we need it as soon as possible hopefully i'll get someone from extinction rebellion onto the podcast in the future but to get into my current podcast the very first episode is with a guy called Vasco Carto. Vasco runs a company called Cork Crafts based in Cork and they sell products made from Cork. So there's a bit of a pun in the name. But Vasco was the very first guy I actually interviewed. So I think it's only fitting that his podcast is the first one. Now I know it's long enough. We're running at about an hour here. But I think for the first podcast, I found it so interesting. There's so much stuff that I had no idea about Cork, how it's made, how sustainable it is compared to the leather or synthetics. I had some misconceptions about Cork, about it needing a lot of water or not being good for the environment. And Vasco sent me straight on a lot of those. And he highlights the issues with Cork as well. So we'll get into that. And yeah, I think it's a good episode. Hopefully you guys will enjoy it as well. Vasco was absolutely lovely to talk to. He came all the way up from Cork to do the interview as well. Now, this is the very first episode that I recorded, so the sound quality isn't going to be amazing, but bear with me. I like to think as the interviews went on, I kind of got a bit better recording the sound, but hopefully it's all right. And yeah, I guess before I play that, I just want to mention for anyone who didn't listen to the introduction episode sure go back and listen to that if you want a background as to why I started this podcast and what we're going to be covering on it and I just want to mention as well I do have a Patreon account if anyone has a euro or two or whatever they could spare a month to donate that would be greatly appreciated it's patreon.com forward slash book of leaves And anything I earn through that will go towards getting some more secondhand equipment for the podcast to improve sound quality and then pay for the website and hosting fees and whatnot. Yeah, if you have anything at all that you could spare to donate to that, that would be amazing. Thank you so much. And for the social media and website side of things I have a website bookofleavespodcast.com so you can check out the show notes there if they're not all displayed in whatever medium you listen to the podcast on I'm on Facebook I just started inviting people to like the Facebook page 
um thank you so much to all my friends who were sharing it that's so cool thank you so much i really appreciate it and i'm on instagram as well and i do have a twitter account although i've barely used it so i need to get started on that so please do give us a follow and if you're listening to the podcast i would absolutely love if you could reshare the episode i think the best way to promote a podcast is by word of mouth literally most of the podcasts i know and i listen to were recommended to me by other people so if you could recommend it to a friend reshare it on your instagram story all the kind of like that would be amazing to kick it off the ground because listenership with this one won't be too high it's just the very first episode so yes please share please like subscribe and that sort of stuff and feedback yes of course let me know if you have any feedback on the episode if you'd like me to do any particular type of episodes in the future or cover some news or anything at the beginning or at the end of episodes any feedback would be greatly appreciated on any platform and give us now a like and a follow and a share and stuff so i won't keep you for much longer let me throw you over to vasco and in the meantime enjoy the sunshine stay safe don't forget your factor 50 talk to you after so vasco <laughs> thank you so much for traveling all the way up from cork to uh, join me for this podcast hopefully the journey wasn't too no, it was okay. fine. <laughs> I like driving, so... Cool. And uh, when I went to see you, find you in the restaurant across the road, it wasn't hard because you have your cork yeah. hat on. So, <laughs> nice little advertisement. It's great. Indeed. I guess to kick off, I'll be telling the listeners, well, they'll have already heard a little bit about your background at the start of the podcast, but can you tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up in Portugal? First of all, mm-hmm. let us get to know the man behind the craft and <laughs> exactly. such. Like, So, um, I, I was born in Brazil. And my parents are Portuguese, and I moved to Portugal when I was three. And uh, we we moved to a town in the Algarve that is not touristic at the time because uh, you know it was doesn't have a beach immediately next to it. So what happens is all the tourists were avoiding it, and they had a big fishing industry that was dedicated in the sixties and fifties. So when we moved there, it was kind of a decaying city, you know, and there was a lot of criminality a lot of uh, social neighborhoods and that's where we decided to move in <laughs> so <laughs> i don't think my parents knew and about that but um but it was a bit a bit harsh you know yeah so when i was growing up like in brazil people are very close close to each other so people hug each other and everything and in portugal i remember i was six years old and i had a guy the kid that was my friend hey giving him a hug and he was like oh what is this you know i'm not gay you know just, i have a six-year-old kid saying that to you like what is a gay you know you don't know what that is yeah. so it was very weird to, to 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 do that you know it was he had to to decompose to deconstruct what you had experienced when you were growing up in brazil and uh, and then it was so when you start school it was it was all very very you know very different because there was always you know groups of youths that were you know looking to do bad stuff you know there was always there was a particular gang when i was in uh, in, in primary school called the, the codfish gang you know and we all knew that they were you know always stealing stuff you know and uh, they had like a bunch of dogs and they were just going around it was a lot of drugs involved the town was known for having a lot of drugs drugs imported from from northern africa after that you know now things are way better than, than it was back then um so this was the mindset that that i was growing up and uh, and then there was a lot of street gang fights. Uh, there was a one one time that uh, the other school came to our school to have a fight when I was around ten or eleven, 
and that was a bit shocking you know yeah. you try to leave the school and you see like a band of 11 12 year old kids you know all with sticks and whatever coming to your school to, <laughs> to kick your ass you know oh my god just how it was you know and uh, and besides that you know that means after that you know just on the weekends i would stay home uh, more because we lived in the countryside you know outskirts of the town i would take the, the time to go in the fields my my parents had a big fields uh, farms years ago i had a dog called tequila and we would go you know walking the the fields and the f- small streams that were dried in the summer you know so it was quite nice those those weekends and that was that was what, how it was you avoided the, the oh yeah stuff. yeah i forgot to say that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that was uh, <laughs> yeah that, uh, because of that you know i always had that sense of not getting into into that kind of activities and yeah. i always tried to stay away as much as possible because it was very clear that those things were bad despite the fact probably for them it wasn't bad for them it was normal mm. for me it was was the opposite so i always stayed away from any of that i never smoked i never i drank i only started drinking very late in life never had any kind of drugs because i think i understood how bad what that was so i ended up not ever having any any of those experiences and and after that you know it just grew a sense of you know always being trying to be doing the right thing you know always being fair to people and not be like those guys were behaving towards me or towards other people so always uh, trying to to do the good trying to be fair in every single way and uh, and a particular story was fun because it was a time that if there was a huge uh, rain sh- rainstorm and there was the whole the whole schoolyard flooded and you know i had some rubber boots so i go there in the middle of of the schoolyard and in the pond there was like a huge snake that snake <sighs> And, uh, oh, man, I have to tell the, the kids so they don't come here to see the snake. I told the kids, and they immediately picked up the snake and started scaring everyone oh in the school. And I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> you know? So yeah. I started to understand these things, you know, that uh, you have to trust certain people that you that you see that are trustworthy. Yeah. And others, you know, you have to be careful. <laughs> yeah. And then after that, you know, and I think maybe because I was connected to a lot in the weekends being on the farm, on the ground. And seeing a lot of old ruins of old farms, you know, water wheels, you know, water channels that... They, because next to our house there was a huge estate that was abandoned. And so this was all ruins around, you know, there was a dam in the, in the stream, there was water wheels, there was wells, all abandoned. And I think because of that, I started to want to be interested in history and the past. And uh, one of the games I had was to bury stuff in the sand and to then pick up later in in life, you know, later the next year or whatever. Some of them I forgot completely, but but some of them I went one year after and pick it up, and you know, it was just I just wanted to to dig up the past. It was just rocks and stuff, you know, <laughs> nothing important. <laughs> um, and from there, I think it grew the the interest in archaeology, you know. And uh, I ended up doing everything to finish my school and go into archaeology, and I finished archaeology. And then worked two years in archaeology, field archaeology, construction sites. You're in construction sites, you have to check if when they dig something, some archaeology, you know, some structures appear, sure. or something like that. And in the meantime, I got into a, an NGO that was called HERA. That was the idea was to bridge the gap between uh, between the local citizens, the local people and the tourists. You're not making tourism only for for the beach and for leisure. You're making for that the tourists will learn the history of the local they are through yeah. the people that live in there. So I worked in there and I started to realize the importance of the past to understand the present and the future, to build the future. And that started being my main my main concern to have that as a, as a basis for what I wanted to do in my life in archaeology and to, to have it as something that people will learn through archaeology, through history 
and not to do the same mistakes of the past and to that construct a better future. Um, that was all nice, but you know the truth is there was not much money in archaeology. That was the, when there was the big economic crash in two thousand eight. There was no jobs in archaeology. You know, I. And were you in Portugal at the time? I was time, in Portugal so, yeah. still. Yeah, this was in two thousand between two thousand eight and two thousand eleven. So uh, what I did then is uh, one of my I was working for a big a big resort that they were constructing. So I was doing the main the archaeological survey of that. That was over sixty houses they were building, a hotel and all of that. But that thing ended, and uh, so what I did basically they moved me to another place. And at the same time, something that I got really annoyed. They basically wanted to lower my salary, so they sent me a text message and just say, "Ah, oh, yeah, well, if you want to keep working with us, your paycheck is going to be less three hundred euros." And that got me really. I always want to be fair, you know. Yeah, of course. <laughs> like yeah. I said before, and uh, I said, "No, I'm not going to do that." You know, you might think three hundred euros. Maybe he was earning three thousand euros a month or something. No, I was earning one thousand one hundred euros a, a month, and from that, because I was not under a contract, because they never give you a contract, mm. you're considered an independent worker. So in Portugal, you'd have to pay at the time fifty percent of what you earn to taxes and to social welfare. So over that one thousand one hundred, I was getting probably five fifty, that much. Yeah. And so if they take three hundred euros, I would be even less, you know. Yeah. So it was impossible to have a life. So I said, look, this is not going to work. I just said I'm not going to be working in this anymore. So I started doing small web design jobs, you know, small things, even distributing flyers on mailboxes in the streets, you know, mm. just to make some money. And then there was an opportunity for a job here in, in Cork City, not here, in, in Cork City in the south. And I just took it. I just took the job and moved to Ireland in 2011. So. And had you ever been here before? Like, did you just um, take the leap? Yeah, I just took the leap. I just put myself on the plane yeah. <laughs> and came here. I started thinking maybe, you know, maybe this is all a big ruse. And, you know, I get there and there's like guys trying to kill me or something. <laughs> nothing of that happened, thankfully. Your childhood coming <laughs> back to you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you always get a bit scared, you know, especially yeah, if you go to a different country, you know, out of the blue. And could you speak English? Oh, yeah. 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 The, the good thing is I always knew English. I think since I was in fourth grade, you know, lots of American movies and stuff. It was a bit difficult to understand the Cork accent, but in the end, it worked out okay. I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. Yeah, that's cool. And what was the, the job that had you come here? Um, well, it was just a customer support job. Um, okay. Multinational company. At the time, you know, after being so many, so many years, you know, moving back and forth, I thought I had this idea that, okay, if I have a desk job, it's going to be amazing. I'm going to love being a desk. You know, just go there, do my work and come home. But, you know, it's obviously it's not because uh, in a desk job, you end up losing all of your, you know, instincts, a lot of everything you, you, you had before, everything that you that you think that you, you want to value in life. And you yeah. lose all of that because you're just stuck in the same job and same same monotony. In a desk job, you end up losing. I mean, I felt like that. Like that. Uh, you end up losing all your emotions, all you become like a robot, like this automation that goes in there to work and to do your stuff and then just leave. And there's no no kind of goal, no kind of, uh, of chance to do something for, for the world. No, you're just doing the same routine every day and nothing is going to change. You, know? yeah. you might think, okay, maybe I'm going to get the promotion. But realistically, there's 800 other people there that also want the promotion. So it's always very hard for you to get that promotion, you know? Yeah, I mean, so. some people that might suit down to the ground, like yeah. routine, but there's certain people, myself included, routine exactly. out the window. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And not 
telling them that they're wrong. It's just each person, you know, to their own, I'd say. So yeah, that was it. That was, uh, I worked in that company until 2017 and then I left to continue Cork Crafts. That's what Yeah, basically. and how did, so somewhere between mm-hmm. your archaeology and customer support jobs, <laughs> Cork Crafts came about. Can you tell us? The Well, basically it started in 2013. I went on holidays to Portugal and so there was this big cork shop in Portugal in, mm. in, in my hometown I got impressed with all everything you could do about cork all the different you know hats umbrellas bags I became friends with the guy with the owner of the shop started talking this was on the height of the economic crisis and we started talking and oh yeah and how is business and whatever oh, it's going okay it's going he wasn't complaining you know I mean, he just met, barely met. He was going to complain to me, but uh, but anyway. So we started talking and say, but this would be a very good idea to to explore to have some kind of this shop, you know, in Ireland, for example. No one mm-hmm. knew about about cork back then, cork products. So in 2017, that the that came into fruition. So after that time, I went back into that shop. He still remembered me, and I just said, look, um, I'm just going to buy some stuff from you, and I'm going to see if uh, if it sells there in Ireland, you know. And I started to think. It would be great to sell something that is Portuguese, that is unique, that the, in, can be sold in, in, in another country. Yeah. You know? And uh, after that, I started to think, wait a second, this also can be not only just a product to, to be sold like that. It can also be sustainable. It's, it, it not can. It is a sustainable product. It is an alternative to leather. You don't kill any animals or any trees. And that all of those little connections started to make in my head. So I started to investigate more about it. And I started to notice also how big the cork industry was in the past in Portugal, how gigantic it was, how cork was basically everywhere with the, the advent of plastic. Like boys for the fishing nets were made of, were made of cork. Uh, life jackets were made of cork. You know, wow. even bottle caps that, I, that is an Irish invention, the inside of the bottle cap had a layer of cork instead of being the plastic we see to, uh-huh. today so it was cork was everywhere and i started to realize that plastic was an invention that was an artificial substitute for cork okay. because they wanted to do something to make to to use the the same versatility of cork sure. but make something artificial yeah. you know that would be cheaper and that's how plastic became so mainstream you know yeah. and then from there you know plastic bottles plastic bags and everything you know i know and now look at the crisis exactly <laughs> Gosh. Exactly. And from there, you know, just start to understand that, you know, this can be the future again. This can be can be the future. And if I'm pretty sure with proper investigation, with the same time the investigation that we had for plastics, that we will be able to, in the future to have cork bags, you know, mm. cork plastic. Instead of being plastic carry-on bags, you'll have, we can have cork carry-on bag all of those little those those things that plastic took over and because plastic is 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 just a molecule that is moved around and changed to make all of these different materials right yeah and if you do that with cork it would work too it's just a a reason it's just a way of having that investigation and funding for that because the cork industry died completely and became only the bottles the the wine stoppers that we know just completely disappeared until it just that that was produced but it always it was always kind of alive in Portugal and never yeah it It was always you know traditional it was always alive it's just internationally it just became only the wine stoppers and even then in the 90s you know they said ah the wine stoppers taint the wine and whatever and we have to change to to have uh, plastic plastic wine stoppers and then now they understand that that was wrong yeah now they're going back to use the cork wine stoppers yeah and so it's all it's all you know it's all connected (laughs) as you can see yeah. Um, and that was it. That uh, that was what what was happening there with uh, with the cork industry in Portugal. Now uh, there there's a resurgency. 
first started because the the cork oak trees became a national protected tree in 2011 yeah and uh, and what that means is from then on basically you you can't cut down the cork tree anymore in portugal supposedly you're supposed to be criminal charge if you do that mm-hmm. and that means there was a lot of incentives to start using more cork you know, more use for cork so for example fashion products was uh, was one of those products and other products that are being used now in construction again so many different uses for example insulation and that now if you look at the market it's all filled with plastics and synthetics mm-hmm. if you go back to the past and you just start using cork again that's what uh, that's what they they want to do again. In regards to the actual cork itself, how like I know nothing about mm-hmm. how the cork comes from the tree to be your your hat or I full disclosure bought a bag <laughs> of Pasco uh, in uh, October about I think I've yes. been using it ever since. I love it. It's great, and so many people comment on it's unusual because you don't obviously you don't cover over cork. It has its own yeah. texture, exactly. and people are like, "Is that made of cork?" I'm like, "Yeah, go <laughs> get one." But uh, I, I love my own cork bag, but I've I've just I have no idea. I remember seeing I think a picture of a cork tree, and mm-hmm. I just I never even thought to look into how it actually comes. Can you talk through like how does a typical product come from a seed yeah. to? So so it basically, it's from an acorn, right? Okay. Because cork oaks, I think it's an acorn, right? Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> some in, sort of seed. Yeah, it's a seed, uh, <laughs> and it's planted, and the cork takes the tree takes thirty years to grow. After wow. 30 years, you can harvest the first layer of cork. That's called the virgin cork. It's a very, very nice kind of cork. It has a nice kind of pattern into it. After that, it takes nine years for it to grow back again, the cork. So you can harvest it again after nine years. So what you do is then after every nine years, you start harvesting that, that tree. But of course, you're not planting only one tree. You're planting a forest of, of yeah. cork trees. So what happens in Portugal, we have so many cork trees that we can harvest cork every year. There's always trees to be to be harvested sure. every year. Uh, from then, the the cork is sent to a factory, and in the factory they basically boil the piece of cork and compress it. Uh, the process of boiling like these huge tanks of hot water, and it's fueled traditionally with the boiler that is basically with granules of cork. Okay, so it's not used with uh, okay. with petrol. Okay, it can yeah. be used with petrol, but traditionally they use the, the granules of cork because sure. when you granulate the cork, it's very flammable. And but if you leave it as a, as a piece of bark, it won't it won't catch fire. Okay, so that's what they use to to fuel the boiler. After that, they compress it, becomes a sheet of cork, and with that sheet of cork, they then can slice it in any way you want. Okay, for the wine stoppers, they go and they slice the the pieces of cork in a way that it will be the most smooth piece that they can use machine to take the wine stoppers. That's basically just a machine that goes and picks up the, the wine stoppers one by one. For to making products like uh, your bag or my hat, they pick up the, the cork and they slice it in even thinner layers, normally around one millimeter, two millimeters, and then they fuse it together with the fabric on the backing. They do that either, some, some process can be with fusion, so you basically heat the cork and the fabric at a high temperature, the cork has a resin that releases it and can glue them together. Okay, otherwise you can glue it with uh, with a natural, you know, resin tree resin. That's mm. the best way to do it. It's always a thin layer that will go basically glue them together. After you do that, you then have this sheet of cork and fabric. And this fabric has the basically the qualities of all, all the qualities of the cork and all the qualities of the fabric. And then from there is like basically doing any kind of bag. Now, uh, in comparing to leather, is more malleable, so it's easier to to sew. 
So I had leather workers telling me that in the time that it takes them for making one leather bag, they can make 10, 10 cork bags because it's wow. way easier. You don't have to treat it. You don't have to paint the, the cork bag because with leather, if you cut it or if you if you puncture it, then you have to go and you paint. You have to paint it again with the same color. You have to go and disguise the hole. You have to do all of that. With, with cork, no. You just go, you sew it like it'd be any kind of fabric. Yeah. Even in my products, you know, most, some of them that I use on my stall, I've, I just put holes in it. I do whatever I want. And you look at it, it doesn't see yeah. anything. You know, it's still there, perfect. And then after that, you just, you know, you just make the normal bag. You, you do a hat, like you do a wallet. It's exactly the same process. Just water. Are there any chemicals involved in making uh, cork? Do you, ha- do you have to treat cork at all? No, no. no. You don't, uh, t- theoretically, you shouldn't treat it cork. You don't need to treat it with anything or it just stays it's by itself. Okay. So, I mean, of course, if there's anyone that wants to do that and try any chemical treatment, good for them but <laughs> it, it, theoretically you know in terms of necessity there's no need for that yeah so then you have the product you can use it and it will have always around 70 20 percent durability of real leather but it's it's like you know it's the same thing with any kind of product like you have this bag for since september it looks it's very very well used you know but you're not using it like going up a mountain and throwing it rocks or whatever no right? yeah so this is the same thing with any kind of product if you buy some new leather boots and you just use them really badly in the first six months, then they will give in. This is the same thing. A lot of people think that cork will be brittle or be basically break apart because they have the idea of cork, how it was in the 60s and 70s, that was a conglomerate of pieces of cork glued together, right? Mm-hmm. And what we have here is a very thin slice of cork all together with the fabric on the backing. So it remains... Uh, all the flexibility of the cork and not exactly that brittleness that people are thinking think, about. Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah. <laughs> um, and how does it compare? Because I know nothing about leather either. Because like, obviously we're trying to come into a point where we're not using synthetics anymore because mm-hmm. you know they can be just as bad for the environment. So people are opting for natural materials. And of course, leather is technically natural, but obviously mm-hmm. there's a lot that, that you know you have to, you can't just grow leather on a tree. You have mm-hmm. to feed the cow get the cow to a certain size and then like there's all the chemicals so like how do they compare environmentally and like with water usage and everything uh-huh. so basically you know first of all as you can imagine with leather you have to kill the animal to take the skin you know so yeah, <laughs> yeah it's already the ethical side <laughs> so with the cork itself you don't have to kill any animal or any tree and the tree uh, the more harp the more bark you take from it the tree will, will grow longer so wow. normally the trees go to 250, 270 years. I think the oldest in Portugal is 270 years at the moment. And you should have the forest, the cork forest, just intact. You don't do any agriculture in it. You don't do any kind of grazing or anything. Because what has been proven is that if you do grazing on, on the on the landscape, it will be easier for kind of diseases pass from tree to tree. Because okay. they go on there on the legs of the animals. You yeah, know? so you don't need pesticides no. or anything? You wow. just okay. leave the tree like it is. And nine years later, you just basically go and harvest the cork. So does that mean like birds and everything can be nested in yeah. the leaves and everything? So they can yeah. still be used like exactly. it's not like Christmas trees where they're getting cut down and they're yeah. taken away. That's, no, okay, you, that's you, just, you just leave the tree there. The cork, this this idea that the, the, the cork tree drinks too much water, it's I think it's completely erroneous because the tree itself, it's it's a, almost a semi-desertic tree, right? So it holds it up. On the on on the you know on the summer months that there's no water you know but it's ever an evergreen tree, and that's explained because of the cork. The cork is what keeps the water inside the tree during the mm-hmm. summer months. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's why it's an evergreen tree. Uh, when they harvest the cork, this is why it's a very delicate process. You don't take out the whole bark. You take only the dry layer of cork. 
Yeah. Okay. And when you do that, the tree still has a small layer of the of the cork itself. Yeah. And that keeps protects the tree. If you take the whole bark, the tree would die, of course. So that small layer then grows, keeps growing, and then after nine years you can harvest it again. So it's a very delicate job, but the people that do it are so specialized in it that they just go there in five minutes and they take out uh, take out the bark from the tree. Yeah. And it's also the best well-paid part of the, of the job because it's, as you can imagine it's a very hard it's a lot hard of manual job. labor yeah. yeah and you're doing that at 40 degrees temperatures it's very dry just go take the take the bark put the bark on the on the trucks or where it's going to be transported so it's a, it's a it's a hard work is there ever a case of kind of the equivalent of like sweatshops in the clothes industry like is there anyone are, are there ever, ever any cases where undercover journalists are, have found that they're using illegal immigrants and underpaying them or like not treating that's them well? That's a very good question. <laughs> that's an excellent question because that's actually uh, the big problem that's happening now with the cork in Portugal. Okay. Because it became very popular and so other countries are trying to replicate basically the cork industry mm. in Portugal. So what has happened is there has always, for example, in Australia, there's an, in, an invasion of uh, cork products of other countries. Uh, that are not Portugal. And this okay. is made of conglomerate, uh, I don't know if I should say names of countries, uh, but I'll just say uh, mainly from, from China. Okay. And they make a conglomerate of cork and they sell these products. Of course, they're not as durable and they, they, they will basically brittle like people think. One of the first things that happened to me when on my first or second market was I was selling wallets and there came a guy, uh, oh, I've been to Australia and whatever and bought this wallet there and he showed me a cork wallet. Of obviously a Chinese product because it was just crumbling apart, completely crumbling apart. And oh yeah, I got it like four months ago. What? Okay, you know what? Take I'll offer him a cork wallet and say, look, use this. Don't ever use that wallet because you're just shaming my country. You know, <laughs> you're just shaming my country with that. You know, I never heard from him, but I'm pretty sure it's still going strong because what was happening is it because since it was just little pieces of cork glued together, oh my god, it just basically starts to crumble apart. You know, like yeah. just completely disintegrates. And that's what's happening with his with his wallet. And the problem now is that in Portugal specifically, the the cork fashion industry got took over by Chinese products. Okay. okay. So they are doing these products now in Portugal to, with unethical uh, labor. And basically people are trying to go after them. You know, the authorities are trying to go yeah. after them. It's the same kind of guys that fake big brands, products, you know. Uh, yeah. So it's yeah. exactly the same thing. So they just thought instead of going to China, bring the cork to China and do it there. We just set up a factory here in Portugal. Okay. With the, we, we import the workforce. Mm. They work you know, like slaves and we do it here in a factory and that's it. So yeah. instead of a bag... Uh, that costs, you know, that that you know, people are paid fair wages and it's, it's a fair price for you know for you to sell it and buy it would sell for one hundred euros. They can sell it for thirty euros, but you use it like after three or four months, just breaks apart, and on top of that, they they use layers of of leather or fake leather oh. to hide that uh, the imperfections of the cork. Okay. You know, I actually got a few of those products in 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 Portugal last time I was there because next to my friend's shop now. There's literally one of those shops, okay. right? And the, for example, a small pouch that he would buy from the factory at three euros, they are selling the same kind of of of, of pouch for three euros to the client, right? Okay. So does that make any sense? No. <laughs> <laughs> so what that means is, he goes to the factory and buys a pouch for three euros, right? Right. So he would sell that pouch for three euros. He would sell it for probably nine euros or oh, okay, okay yes, so yes. but on the chinese shop that pouch the same design but with a different fabric that is supposed to be cork is selling to the public for three euros to the okay. costume so that means the the item itself 
is uh, probably cost like 50 cents or one euro yeah. to, to be made. Yeah, and I don't think anyone <laughs> in Europe can survive with, uh, with making an item for one euro, uh, one euro piece. That's yeah. impossible. And how is there a way you can know if what you're about the cork people buy mm-hmm. obviously if they buy from you they'll know yeah. it's it's ethical or like how how do you know that it's not yeah so it's very it's very easy to see first of all because they always mix it with with fake leather so it will always appear like instead of being the whole cork bag it will have a piece of it that is leather or will have like a tag that is leather so it will never be a whole bag the other thing you'll have to look is into the cork because they slice the cork differently to make it to make it cheaper so normally if you have a plank of, of cork you'd slice it horizontally to make the fabric mm-hmm. okay so and that means on the cork plank there's a s- small little veins that is normally little holes you even see on a cork you see little holes mm. so when they when they cut it uh, horizontally those just become like little holes on the cork okay but when they slice it for in for to be more ch- be cheaper they slice it vertically okay so you see all these little veins are instead of being a dot or small dots are like really big strings on the cork ah. and that will then crack really easily okay. and of course they try to take the market with the conglomerate cork that's what they were doing in china that basically they were recycling uh, old wine stoppers grind them then together and faking, making sheets and then making pouches and wallets but of course that crumbles really easily so that's why they're now doing this technique and using this really really cheap cork Mm. on top of that you have to look inside and see what is what is the backing of the product well it's difficult if the bag it or the pouch has some kind of inner lining but normally depending on the quality of the backing of the fabric it depends on the quality of the product too because it could happen that the backing could be just a layer of plastic and then it would just basically break apart yeah normally it has to be a fabric that is as as flexible as the as the as the cork itself otherwise it will just break apart because the, the, the plastic will be stronger than the cork and then it will break the cork easier. I'm delighted to hear that there's no chemicals and, and it seems quite environmentally sustainable and renewable mm-hmm. as well. It's a pity about some of the external companies coming in. Yeah. To like, but hopefully... They're, they're trying the to, to get rid of that. And yeah. that's the most important thing. Yeah, there's already one of them was caught and, you know, he got deported. Because these are big uh, big businessmen, from not from Portugal, from abroad. If you read the news, there's a big controversy in Europe because there's a lot of businessmen that were coming into the Europe uh, with free uh, what they call the golden visas I don't know if you heard about that no so basically they could just come into Europe and say you know because they're a businessman they just can enter there's no requirements anything so they could just come in and do whatever they want okay so they're trying to to curb all of that especially in Portugal so that doesn't that stops happening and that's one of the things that's happening now one of the one of the like I said one of the guys got caught already because he was he was doing the cork, cork shop, but also had was faking a lot of products for big brands, you know. Okay. So he got the yeah, big brands. He got ex- yeah, uh, deported. Exactly. <laughs> well, it's good to hear at least that they're. It's not something that they're ignoring because no. it's a lot of people's. A lot of it's a traditional livelihood yes. for for a lot of people. And there was something else I wanted to ask you. Mm-hmm. Um, when I saw you at Vegfest. I think it was the one just gone. Um, my partner was talking to you, and you told him. He, he was the one who told me I was like I don't remember him saying that I was probably off stuffing my face with food somewhere else yeah. but he told me that you were telling him a story that you converted a lot of leather tradesmen to it's cork a few. yeah yeah. <laughs> like, how, yeah because they don't have the idea of uh, veganism or, or or any of that right they're just you know they just see a product they want to make something you know that is cheaper for them 
Cork will be cheaper for them, right? Okay. So that's why they use the cork. So what I'm what I was doing with them is explain. Look, if you do it in this way, right? I can sell it there. For example, shoes was a big problem because a lot of them uh, were just using leather on the inside of the shoes. And so just use any kind of other fabric that is not leather, and I'll mm. show and I'll sell it for you. And finally, I got one of them to do that, and uh, that was my supplier of boots that I had at Vegfest and shoes. Now I'm trying to get other people to do that, other other artisans. Some of them are more open than others, but there's this guy that is a bit <laughs> hard on the head, but he has over 60 designs of shoes, and I want to, to see if he would do it with, with any kind of fabric on the inside. It could be like microfibers, like the same same kind of of of, uh, of of fabric that you use in in sports shoes, for example, not not leather, of course. And with that, you know, that would be fantastic to have, you know, sell his sell his product. So that's the the real fight now. But they don't have the idea of protecting the animals. You know, sure. I had to go there and explain to them. I mean, there's one or two that understand it, but it's it's not all of them. I mean, people have to understand that this this is this is people this is people's livelihood, mm. right? If they don't make a bag, they won't have money in there in, to sustain themselves, yeah. right? And uh, especially now with the problem with the Chinese cork, uh, what is happening is a lot of people are reconsidering going back to leather because okay. uh, because what's happening is if people are not buying cork bags because they've had the cheaper version available. Exactly. Okay, sure. If yeah. people are not buying the Portuguese products, then that's it. What am I going to be doing with with this with this product? I can sell, right? Yeah. So there's people literally considering going back to leather or trying to bet on the foreign market to to Germany or any other countries. Because they understand that in Portugal is dying completely, and it's dying because of the fake products that are appearing, and also because the, in Portugal they end up putting the cork products a lot in in touristic shops, you know, mm-hmm. instead of being something that would become mainstream, a national product or something, it just turned into being a, a touristic product. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, and that's always the mindset I want to to f- go away from. Yeah. You know, okay, I don't want to sell only to tourists. I want everyone to buy cork yeah know? i want everyone to understand what cork is and to genuinely genuinely understand how important it is this product yeah okay? absolutely and that's why i i go to farmers markets all around the south of, of, of ireland and i just don't focus in specific touristic spots you have to go all to all these little markets so you start to like we say in portugal break the stones you start breaking slowly the sure. stones yeah. uh, or like or like a saying in portugal you just you you break stones with water, you know, you just keep dropping water on it until yeah. it breaks. <laughs> so that's the idea. And and you look at Portugal, what's happening in Portugal, and you understand that's not that's not what you should be looking. And uh, and sadly that's the reality that a lot of people if they don't if they can't sell cork bags, they'll have to go back to something else. Mm. Um like last year uh when I went to Portugal I met a, a leather worker that he's a leather worker for since he was twelve. And he told me directly that I can do, in the time I make a leather bag, I can make 10 cork bags, okay? But this year, I don't know if he's still doing that. Yeah. Because it depends on, if if no one is buying the cork bags, then what is he going to do, yeah. right? He go, he'll have to go back to leather. And uh, and that, that's that's sad, of course, you know, mm. because uh, he's just going back to, to what it shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, for, for a in, number, in, like ethically, yeah. of course, yeah. the animal needs to die. Like every piece of leather comes exactly. from something that once lived. But then you've got the, they need so much more water exactly. and food and energy to get the leather mm-hmm. to where, to the finished product. And exactly. then the chemicals as well. The chemicals so. that is completely abhorrent, you know, I mean, uh, I don't think anyone understands how horrible it is, the leather industry. I don't think people have ever been to a tannery and to understand the smells that are in there. If you go to any place in India and Pakistan that people that do this, you'll be shocked. 
at uh, you'll be shocked at what you see and what you smell you really? know have you ever been to uh no Tampa? but i've talked with people <laughs> okay yeah. i talked with a few people from their india uh, so an indian guy in the pakistani they actually yeah. came to my stall and saw what i was telling oh my god you know the leather industry is like this and they explained that is horrendous in every single way because i mean you're dealing with skin so you have to think it's not exactly because it should decay naturally exactly so you can imagine how it is vats and vats of that and trying to trying to make cancel that that process so it it is horrible i'd say yeah um yeah (laughs) so hopefully people i don't know the more people learn about cork and where it comes from and the work that goes into it that they that they'll buy the ethically exactly like that's it's all about like investing like fast fashion is such a problem today that people just go in and i mean i'm guilty of it myself going in when you just need something and you just you buy it cheap but really it's an investment piece you buy a good ethically made piece of cork and you've got a nice bag that's (laughs) gonna last you forever and then you're you've got a happy heart as well because you're not you you know that it came from somewhere where people were paid exactly. well for it. Paid well in this made in Europe and you know all it has all yeah. the European standards on it and that's all all very important. And do you still get your products from that man that you first bought them from? Yes, I sometimes go to to his shop and I talk with him. You know, I was there now last week and I spent almost two weeks with him. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so we actually went to do a tour of uh, cork factories. If you check on Facebook, I, I did a lot of live videos of, oh, of that cool. tour. And um, and we went around doing, you know, we, I was with him, you know, he to check the factories and meet the people. It was quite nice. It's quite That's nice. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So do you know who it is that makes the products? Oh, yeah. That you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Actually, if you see on the videos, you can see the factories where, where the products are made. You can literally see uh, the person sewing the, uh, one of the bags made of cork. That's know? so cool. Indeed. And uh, if people want to find your products, mm-hmm. how do we? Uh, well, you can purchase? find me in, on, on my website, corkcrafts.ie. And also you can find it also on uh, any markets in the south of Cork, in the south of, of Ireland. So you just have to look me up on Facebook and check the events page where mm-hmm. I have all the markets I've been doing in festivals. Yeah, that's good. So people can find you at markets and it's so aptly named as well. We haven't even discussed that Cork crafts <laughs> yeah. based in Cork. So yeah. That yeah. was a bit of a joke, you know. <laughs> but you know, it's always, you always have to have, you know, positive attitude towards everything. I mean, of course, if you see, if you think about what's happening with the Cork, in Portugal, you start, you know, it can be sad and whatever, but you have to have positive attitude. You have to to see that you are doing good and that yeah. uh, and that that you what you're doing is is good for you and good for everyone around you. So you always have to export this positive attitude towards everyone. So the the, the name Corecraft is also to make people you know laugh, people you know have a smile in their face, yeah. you know, and then from then start a good conversation about environmental about about the, all of all of that encompasses the cork products yeah and that's the idea behind it um, because i could be worried about it i could be i mean of course if you see the live videos i in in portugal you know from the middle of portugal up there's only eucalyptus that were planted and in the 70s that's not a native tree and of course if the cork trees fail they will plant more eucalyptus again which is which is bad you know eucalyptus mm. is a terrible terrible tree for for portugal it should have never been imported to 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 portugal basically what did they use it for um (laughs) well uh, the eucalyptus grew because of the paper industry right Ah. uh the biggest paper company in the world is called navigator and it's a portuguese company okay so they all sell the eucalyptus that they don't even reach an adult age because they just kept are cut down to make paper 
Okay. And so this took over so completely Portugal. You know, you have towns that they used to be called uh, wine trees and fig trees. You know, and you go there, it's only it's only eucalyptus everywhere because people just completely ripped apart the whole native forest just to plant eucalyptus. Mm-hmm. Luckily, from the center of Portugal south, it's all uh, cork trees and plains. Mm-hmm. You know, so there, those this invasion did not happen, right? So that those are good news, you know. Yeah. And uh, now that cork tree is protected, so theoretically we're going to have more cork trees planted and, uh, and you know, eucalyptus will start slowly disappearing. That's what I hope. <laughs> yeah. But, Fingers yeah. crossed. Yeah. But in regards to your markets, so you've been kind of doing this since 2017. 17. Yeah. Did you leave your customer service job with this in mind? Did you leave that to continue core crafts? Um, yeah, well, I started uh, before I wanted to leave. I I wanted to leave the company probably one year and a half before I left. Mm. And I started to think of, of what I would do. So it was planned. I planned on how to leave the company. And what happened, uh, the interest for Cork and Cork Craft started. I went with Tina, my partner, to Portugal for holidays. And we bought my first cork hat that I completely destroyed, you know, every single way. <laughs> Still in the car, but it's completely smashed me because I just, you know, treated really badly. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, so we bought that hat, and then we were in the con- in in the countryside. We were doing a photo shoot for for my friends in a museum, and uh, I just put my hand on a tree, right? And oh, this is oh, this is cork. <laughs> so it was a cork tree there. I was like, yeah. oh wow. Okay, and that started to, to be in my mind. Yeah. And then uh, I went back to Ireland and I always started wearing always the cork hat because I really liked it in the rain, in the sun, anything. And then that's that's when I started to realize that that's what I could do, starting, starting bringing cork from Portugal. And uh, then what I was doing is I went one weekend of my, on my job, I went to Portugal. So I went from a Saturday come on a Sunday, bought a whole bag of cork products and then I started doing markets only on weekends. So on normal week, I would be working in the full-time job. And then on Saturday, I would be doing markets. And um, and then that start, started being every weekend. Then what happened is that they changed my shift and I had to work Saturdays. So what I started to do is taking, basically my holidays were being, was basically taken on Saturdays to do work the markets. And then when I couldn't do that, uh, Tina would help me. She would go to the market and do the market for me. So I would, since I started my shift at 11, I would go there, set up everything to do my my five hours shift mm. on my lunchtime i would go cycle to to her pack everything because my lunchtime was around 5 p.m pack everything drop everything home then go work another five hours wow. and then go back home yeah <laughs> so this was basically the whole summer of 2017 was like that and then up to christmas uh, was was all like that finally in december i said okay this is going well uh things in the company are not going well uh, i was having a lot of hostilities you know with uh, with the management for a number of different reasons that was one of the reasons i wanted to leave and so I finally decided, okay, that's done. I uh, just decided to leave and I started to do this full time. But then, you know, it's, it's not exactly, you just wake up one day, okay, I'm going to do this full time. Woo. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Then, uh, the, then I had to buy a car, which was complicated, not because of the car, but because of the insurance, you know, because uh, since I'm a, I'm a foreigner with a foreigner driver's license, <laughs> everyone was quoting me 3,000, 4,000 euros oh, for God. insurance. So it became really, really troublesome, and uh, I, I basically the, the cheapest they got me was two thousand seven hundred euros for uh, for a car that was semi new. So I had mm. to buy the car with credit and then get the the insurance uh, the insurance for the car. And I was like really trying to decide if this is what I wanted. So 
I was literally five hours in Parnell Place in Cork City looking at the traffic and thinking, is this really what I want to do? Is this really what I want to do? Yeah. And then finally I decided, okay, let's get this. So I got the car, I got the insurance, and now it's now it's more than a year. <laughs> and so, are you happy with your decision? Is it all yeah, working yeah. out well? Yeah, it's, it's going well. It's, you know, sometimes you get stressed out because of the bills, you know. I mean, there's always times that uh, if you work, work retail, people will tell you this, that there's times that the business slows down because people people simply don't buy. Mainly before Christmas and now after Christmas. Completely dies. So you have to, to be ready for those times. You have to be thinking of what's going to happen yeah. or how you're going to maintain yourself. Uh, because, you know, in one time you can have, you maybe you'll have enough money to pay your rent, to pay your bills. And then the next month, you just, there's nothing. So you just have to learn how to manage the money, how to manage all of that. You know, because it's different from having a constant job that you have always your paycheck at the end of the month. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, you learn a lot of things. And uh, yeah, it's, it was, it was easy to adapt to, to these changes you know you just you just understand what you have to do how you do it and everything it's very hard in the beginning very yeah. very very you know sometimes you go to a market you don't do nothing you know just sitting there for eight hours looking at, and that happened a lot in the first time the first time i went to bantry market and skipperine i did like 50 euros in each of them so okay that's that's horrible you know yeah. that barely pays the, the petrol and everything yeah. and just, i i went to an airbnb that time i thought ah, i'm just gonna be here for the weekend so i'm just gonna rent a place and whatever mm. I basically I lost money. Yeah. But the truth is, people start seeing you. People, you explain about the cork. People do their own research. You just have to go to Google and look about cork trees, and it explains everything there. I'm not bullshitting anyone. You know. Yeah. You can just read it online, and it explains everything. There's loads and loads of studies about it. And after that, it just starts picking up. People start to understand. People start to. I need a new wallet. I'm gonna buy a cork wallet you know, instead of buying a leather wallet. Um, and it starts picking up like that and hope thankfully it's it went it, it was very good and it keeps it, it is still very good yesterday was very good in balancolic for example and uh in bantry i was on the previous day so you just you just have to keep going and Absolutely. of course in there's days that you won't sell nothing the other days you might sell a bit more but you just have to think look we're this is how it is it's not yeah. going to be always constant there's, it doesn't happen with any business so you're doing your bit for the planet exactly exactly everything yeah exactly and uh, the most important thing is you're changing mentalities you know mm. you're changing a lot of mentalities because when you go to macroom a lot of people look at you what you're selling belt at this price you're selling walls at this price and they'll ask you why is it so expensive it's expensive because it's made in europe people are paid fair wages and it's a sustainable product it's made from tree bark so you don't you're not killing any animals or trees so you have to think that every every single person on this on this chain had to be paid fairly. So if you think about that, it's not that it's not that expensive. If you think about that, a real leather wallet is going to cost you probably two times what I'm selling a wallet for. Mm-hmm. A real leather bag is going to cost you probably two or three times the price I'm you're, I'm selling a cork bag. You'll see that is not expensive at all. Absolutely. And, uh, and the leather bag is not probably not going to last you as long. So people can find you <laughs> at markets all over Cork. If they follow you, you have a Facebook page? Facebook page, yeah. Cork Crafts. Are that you is. on Twitter or Instagram? Uh, Instagram to Cork Crafts. You're on Instagram, Cork Crafts, so they can keep an eye where you're going to be. And then you're going to, you're, I presume you'll be at like Dublin Veg Fest and yeah. Cork Veg Fest Cork as well. Fest, yes. And do you sell online? I know you have a website. Yeah, I do have corkcrafts.ie. I have some items there for sale. So oh, very good. Because yeah, so some people and... can buy online. Yeah. <laughs> Fabulous. So yes. there's loads of places that people can find you. Um, we've talked almost an hour. Time okay. flies. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Vasco, for coming online. Hopefully, you've certainly taught me loads about cork. I had no <laughs> idea. And uh, hopefully 
some listeners will pick up a thing or two and you never know you might see them pop up to you at one oh, of yeah. the markets that would be great that would be great and if anyone has any questions feel free to ask any you know any suggestions it's always great cool <laughs> thank you so much Vasco. thank you again. have a good one very first episode of Book of Leaves. I hope you enjoyed it. I learned loads about cork. I couldn't get over the fact that you don't need to cut down the trees. You don't use pesticides. There's no chemicals. It's just water. So I think it's a no-brainer to replace certain leather products and whatnot with cork for sure. So that's a leaf I'll be taking out of Vasco's book definitely. Now I do have a confession to make. When Vasco was talking about counterfeit cork in the back of my mind I was thinking of my partner's wallet. My partner Aiden got a wallet for Christmas from Etsy made from cork and I was I basically had a feeling that uh oh this might not be legitimate cork so I went home after chatting with Fasco and found his wallet and it literally like Fasco said you can see the veins as opposed to little dots you can see the veins in the cork and it started breaking apart I haven't looked at the wallet since he got it and it's it's all fallen to bits there's cork like supposedly cork flaking off the outside of it And on the inside is this like plasticky synthetic layer. Doesn't it's not cotton. It doesn't even feel like polyester. It's it's like some kind of waterproof plasticky material. And this was from Etsy. Now I absolutely love Etsy because there's there's so many legit artists selling their art on there but obviously Etsy can't control every single company but obviously there's some cheap counterfeit cork non-legitimate cork products that have found their way onto Etsy and you know you think you're buying something real and good for the planet and sustainable but it's not unfortunately now Aiden was actually really happy to hear this because when I told him that it, that it's not real cork he thought oh phew because he thought he was using a wallet made of cork and it just wasn't very good so he was thinking in his head god leather is so much better than this but I don't want to tell Cara so at least he knows now that it it's just not a genuine cork wallet so next time I see Vasco I'm gonna have to get a wallet off him but yeah so do keep an eye out for that guys now I'll try get the next episode out in two weeks time I think Mondays are a good day because a lot of people don't look forward to Mondays and they have the Monday blues so maybe if there's a podcast they can look forward to that might make their Mondays a little better so I'll have the next episode for sure in two weeks I might release another one a little bit sooner you know just because the podcast is just starting off so I might release an extra one if I get to time to edit it but there'll be one in two weeks definitely but anyway yes thank you so much for listening share it with a friend let us know your feedback and get out there and enjoy the weather guys and i will talk to you guys soon thank you so much look after yourselves